when I was young, if you looked at me now, you wouldn't believe it, but when I was young, uh, I wanted to be a pilot. Not to fly planes, but just to be able to go to where there were penguins. I desperately wanted to see a penguin with my own eyes. I can remember being six, singing songs about the aeroplanes going above me, uh, thinking, I really want to fly one of these things just so I can go see a penguin. Now, on its own, that's a funny story. But I was living by the equator where there are no penguins. And as I was dreaming this dream, I had no shoes on my feet. Um, I, I was wearing tattered shorts and a tattered shirt, because that's what you did, it was hot. There's no point wearing fresh clothes all the time. You're running around causing a muck. When you went home, you changed and you did your thing, you know? Different, different world, different place. So the dream was based on where I was. Um, these kids are gonna draw whatever they want. Uh, if one of them draws a vicar, pray for them, really pray for them. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to discover that calling early, but <laughs> I would suggest wait a bit longer. Six is a bit early. There's more candy to be eaten and things like that. Joshua, who is uh, leading these people from a land or a place I wouldn't want to live, shit in, to the, to the, to the, to the, 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 the banks of the river. Um, he starts his story um, not at the banks of the river. He starts his story in Egypt. Joshua is a child in Egypt. So his dream of where he would want to be when he grew up is limited by what he sees around him. It's limited by what he sees around him. The dream for his parents is just to be free one day. And that's a pipe dream because... The idea of overthrowing Egypt at the time is just, it's far. And so this Moses guy comes. Joshua's probably in his teens or something like that, going on 20s. Probably looking forward to getting married or something like that. You know, having his bans of marriage. Right? That's a hilarious word to use. Like, you want to ban marriage? Let's ban it. <laughs> he's, he's at that stage of his life when this Moses guy comes. Moses guy is going, set my people free. And instead of Egypt setting the people free, they make things harder. Now imagine you dream about being free. And then every time freedom is mentioned, things get tougher. They mention freedom. All of a sudden, now you have to go and get your straw from somewhere to make the bricks, whereas before they'd bring it for you. And they want you to make tons more bricks. Every time the dream is dangled, oppression came. So when finally Israel leaves, Joshua leaves with them. I want you to just mark the difference in the generations. Yeah? So there's Mr. Birthday Boy over here. And then there is people like me. I'm not going to point at you, Mike, because me and you are the same age. Yeah? Yeah? Nearly. There's generation stuff going on there. Their experience of what's happening is very different. So they march. They get to the waters of the Red Sea. The Red Sea's parted. For one generation, they're going, ooh, God's amazing, promises, it's incredible. The other generation are going, ooh, water standing up, I'm going to poke my hand in, can I catch that fish? It's a whole different way of seeing what's happening. When they get to this part the first time around, when they see the Jordan, one generation is still carrying fear, because every time freedom is mentioned, oppression's not far away. The other generation from which Joshua and Caleb come from, are going, 
we're not where we were, and actually we've managed to get through that because God is amazing. He's going to do the next bit for us. But the doubting generation doubt what God's going to do. What does God do? He turns them back around. Now imagine being the 20, 30-year-old Joshua going, what are we doing? 40 years we're going to now walk. They go all the way around and the generation changes. Uh, Birthday boy becomes the vicar at the front. (laughs) Vicar at the front. God doesn't let him in the promised land because he messes up halfway through the story. And they make their way back. They come to the river. And uh, uh, they're looking across the river. Those who were young are now the ones who can make a decision. This is where our story finds us. This is where our story finds us. On the cusp of fulfilled promise. From Abraham, God was saying to them, this is the land I'm going to give you. Jacob, this is your land. Joseph, this is your land. Even when they were leaving to escape famine, I will bring you back to this land. Now they're by the river. They're by the river. So the first, first point I wanted to make today was, there is always more to the story than what we are encountering in the present event. The story is longer than what we're encountering in the present event. If we look at these guys just camping by the River Jordan, we miss why they need three days to just look at the water and soak it in, the fact that they're now back here again. We miss that they need three days for the generation that's grown to recognize that actually now is the time of their responsibility. Now is the time of them deciding whether they will be part of God's movement or whether they will not be part of God's movement because whether they're part or not, God is going to move. God is going to move. God is going to move. The story is long. This building, I love this building. Uh, most of my, when, when I wanted to come to this parish, I thought I'd be spread out a bit more. Um, and my first week here, I was frustrated. I was like, why am I always just here? But now I love the fact that I am present here because I get to talk to people about Jesus. Um, during the week, uh, the curate's job is basically to doss about. Yeah. I kid you not. <laughs> the meeting place is open. Matt is here, she'll tell you. We doss around. Uh, and all we do is wait. We wait for people to come in. Sometimes we go out to invite people in. This building is my biggest ally when talking to people about Jesus. Why? Because the story of this building, if you look at it just as it presently is, is good. But it's not, just, it's not enough. What makes this building a powerful ally to telling people about the gospel of Christ is the story of this building. The fact that 20, 30 years ago, this building did not have the carpet that it has at the minute. It did not have the chairs that you're sitting in at the minute. It didn't have the screens. It didn't have the fellowship area. It didn't have the fellowship area. There was a generation in this building whom God challenged to move, whom God challenged to grow, whom God challenged to step forward further than where they were before. And that generation had to choose whether they were going to be bold, be strong, or whether they were going to sit. And had they not chosen as a whole generation to be bold, 
there would be another generation that would have been raised to come and meet at the same place at the cusp of the river to decide whether they will be bold or not. There were pews here leading all the way to the back. One of the beautiful things that happens is when someone comes to the door there, they peer in. There used to be a brown wooden door. Someone looked and saw a brown wooden door and was like, no, this is not actually hospitable. Let's change that. So when someone looks inside, they see all the way in to the high table and the cross. We have dais lights that shine on that. So even in the night, when you're walking past, you know that this is the house of God. So the first view from outside there, someone has a look. As soon as I see that curate dossing about, Richard calls it, this is what he calls it, he calls it loitering with intent. (laughs) I see that and I go, okay, let me go and say hello. Run all the way before they dash out. Hey, welcome. They come inside, they want to see the building. They walk into that first fellowship area and already the idea of what church is like changes. Now, I don't know what the idea will be like if they found pews, but what I know is part of the story of this church is a decision made to create a fellowship area, a worship space, and leave a sanctuary. So I can say to people, the desire of the people who worshipped here was to open the space up to the community. Already that speaks to them of a love that's beyond selfishness. You could be happy worshipping here. Why open it to the community? There is something in that of the love of God. And before I've mentioned Jesus, they already are hearing, reverberating in them, the fact that there is something more to what's going on. I was lucky enough to meet the architect who designed this. I've been here a year and a half. You know, I tell this story all the time. So to be able to see him, tell the story of the building loads of times. Every week I'm telling someone the story of the building. So to be able to see the architect who designed this, and talk to him about what he wanted it to be like and hear him speak about what he sees. He came when we had the cafe going on and we're able to see community happen for people who are lonely, for people who are just at work and needed somewhere nice to have lunch, for people who were working up their courage in a voluntary capacity so that they could speak boldly and courageously to others, for people who didn't know how else to minister the gospel, the meeting place. He was happy by what he saw. The building is my ally. It's my ally because of a longer story than what I have walked into. Then we walk into this part of the building, and I say to them, actually, during the week, these chairs are not here. What what is in here is a plethora of toys. So if you're not to 70, you can play with anything in here. If you're 70 to glory, I advise the soft play area in there. I had no decision over these things. But I can say to someone, today when we walk in to the building, come and pray and understand God's forgiveness. And then knowing that you're forgiven, come and play. My biggest ally to teach people about faith as a result of the obedience of generations that have gone before. As a result of obedience of generations that have gone before. The story is longer than what the present event speaks about so where are we now as a church where are we where are we now um 
First, as an individual, if you look at Joshua's story, there's plenty that God challenges him in terms of growth. When he rejects Moses, Joshua has to face this thing where he has to go, oh God, Moses was incredible. How am I going to fill his boots? For us as individuals, the, the challenge is going to come. God does not leave leadership to some. God does not leave obedience to some. He shares that equally to everybody. So one day, God is going to come to you and say to you, what are you going to do with the life and breath that I have given you? And that's your time to respond to that challenge. I hope it's today. And if it is, good. Embrace it. In the knowledge that God will move. Then there's the community. Israel's back here again going, what are we going to do? Uh, when I came to this, when I joined here, the mission hall had very recently uh, joined the, the, the church and St. Albans had just begun. So the story that I came into was one where there was growth going on at St. Albans. I was lucky to go and see when there were tents still in there during the winter. And now there's a group 60, 70 strong with children meeting there. Growth. Growth. We prayed here as a community about whether to put in a bid for the youth minister. It's just a year's worth of, of, of vision and prayer. Whether to put that in. We prayed about putting it in. We received the bid. Youth minister had an event. We all prayed about the event here. There was a group that met here while the youth minister event was going on at St. Albans. 25 people gave their life to Jesus. 25 children gave their life to Jesus. Fruits. Fruits. If God answers all our prayers, this building will not look like it is currently in years to come. What we are used to now will change. That's inevitable. For one, we won't have enough seats. We won't. So the individual calling that God is speaking to you about, you yourself, the corporate calling that God is speaking to us as a church about, and even so, the big church calling that God is calling us to. When I joined the Church of England, um, there was all, all the statistics you're hit with are about decline, 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 decline. Uh, clergy are too old, too old, too old, too old, too old, too old, too old. I've got a great hair. 40% were supposed to retire within 10 years. We were told statistics as though the church was going to die. Um, at college, when I joined, there were 15 ordinands, of whom I was one of the youngest. When I left the college, there were 35 ordinands. When I visited the college, there were 45 ordinands, of whom I was probably the oldest. So in the space of three years, not only did the numbers increase, but the age range compressed. Is God not on the march? Yes, he is. Of course he is. Are the signs that we will see in terms of us as a community here, in terms of us as part of the wider church, and in terms of you as individuals, not going to be in keeping with what God is doing. Of course they will be. Of course they will be. Start from where you are. That's our, our, our sort of term card all the way till May. There is something about us coming again and again and again to this part of the story where there is flooded water in front of us. Verse 15 says, you know, in the, before the harvest, the Jordan floods, white rapids, you can see it. There's something about us coming here again and God going, I'm going to take you across. And we have to take the deep breath in and go, mm, how do I feel about that? 
Am I going to doubt, live in faith? Or am I going to live uh, in fear? Am I going to live in fear? Am I going to live in fear? Are you catching a glimpse of what I'm pointing towards? Yeah? So Easter comes, and the church calendar has it so. So Easter comes, and then after Easter, you have the annual parochial church council meeting where you review what's gone before because the story is not, not just about present events. And then you look to what is to come. Yeah? So this is where we are. The 24th is when we'll meet as a group. I'm inviting you all to come and be present for that and be part of that conversation. Move from the town called Shittin and come to the, to, the, to, the, to the banks of the river, ready to cross, ready to cross. What are the lessons for us? This is my first one. Um, the past is God's work. The future is God's work. Your participation is dependent on your obedience. God will do what he's going to do. My favorite story in the story of Israel up to this point is that they did not even know that God saved them from curses by using a donkey to speak. Where men were disobedient, God was like, okay, sod it. I'll use, the, I'll use the donkey. I'll use the donkey. Numbers 22, if you're trying to think about it. Someone is paid, a prophet, to go and cast you know, curses on this nation. And without even Israel knowing that God was on their side, he stops this prophet. The prophet is not listening. The angel is in front of the prophet. The prophet can't see. He's busy beating his donkey. Move your donkey, move your donkey, move. The donkey says to him, hey, mate, what have I done to you? Have I not served you for so long? And he doesn't even realize the donkey's talking to him. He enters into dialogue with the donkey. For me, that would be something that strikes sense into you. If my dog said to me, hey, Dennis, what's up? I will flee. <laughs> I won't start, hey, you all right? Yeah, yeah. I will run. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know, God was going to do what he was going to do. And if the man wasn't going to do something, the donkey was. So where God decides to lead this community, he's going to take them because his passion is for the people in Chiswick. That's, that's what his passion is. His love is for them. Uh, and whether we are obedient to his calling or disobedient to his calling, he's going to move because love compels him to do so. Uh, I look at empty seats with despair. That's me, personally. And uh, one of the 25 who gave their life to Christ over at the youth event was my little sister, Gabriella, who I carried when she was a baby. And I've been praying for her faith. 15 years I've been praying for her faith. Because of the obedience, the long obedience of some, the immediate obedience of others, the prayers, the responses to God's move, she has a relationship with our risen Lord Jesus Christ. God will do what he's going to do. Will you be participating in that or not? I won't outline what the future holds for us because I think Richard's going to do that over the next two weeks. My job today is just to dig. I want to disturb the earth a little bit, you know, just disturb it. Uh, so that we're in that space where God's going, I want to tell you something. And we're going, okay, I better listen. I want to tell you something. Okay, I better listen. Verse 4 says, um, uh, God's going to take you somewhere. 
and it's going to be new. Have you got it there, verse 4? What does it say, Maddie? You have never been this way before. You have never been this way before. I'm just going to shake the, shake the dust a little bit. Shake the dust a little bit. So that if Richard comes and says something that you've never seen before, you've never been that way before, you recognize it. None of the people on this side of the river ready to cross over into the promised land had been to the promised land before. None of them, not one. Abraham, to a land I will show you. These guys, you've never seen this place before. They'd never seen a fortified city crumble to the ground, but they were going to. And God was going to eliminate the Jebusites, the Menentites, the parasites, <laughs> the insecticides. <laughs> he was going to do it for them. He was going to do it for them. So shake, let's shake the earth a little bit. Yeah, both within and externally, and let's see what comes. What are we to do? What are we to do? Three days. When I first joined this church, um, a, few, a few weeks later, we were going to New Wine. Now, God's honest truth, yeah, I avoided New Wine. Generally, I avoided it. That was my first time going. I had made purposeful intention never to go to New Wine. One, because I hate camping. Two, because groups of people more than 100 frighten the living daylights out of me. I, I'm just like, this is too much, I need to hide. Frighten the living daylights out of me. And three, Christians are incredible. I'll just be honest with you, yeah? We're all saved by grace through faith. None of us is perfect. So if you believe you're not the annoying one, you are the annoying one. <laughs> So, 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 so the idea of going to camp with 10,000 people who are Christians, I was like, oh my God, what a, take me to the desert, please, for another 40 years. I went, and uh, uh, the, the chap who had just taken over leading New Wine was preaching on this very passage. And what he said struck, stuck with me, and it's just what I needed to hear at the beginning of my curacy. He said the three days are important. They move from the place I don't want to live, Shittim. They come to the banks of the river, and they're not given any orders for three days. Three days. The three days are important. Why? Because when you get to the banks of the river, and it's in full flood, and you know that you're supposed to cross it, the first thing you encounter is a river in full flood that you're supposed to cross. What? Day one. So you, you chat about it in your groups by the fire. You know, this is, you know. Few among you go, oh yeah, you remember when we were little and uh, the, the sea parted and we got to go across. Maybe something like that might happen. God's, God's weird. He does things like that. You know, like we're going to eat bread tomorrow from the sky. Like, he's weird like that. You wake up the next day, you look at the river, and actually perspective comes in. You're like, yeah, this, this would be, this, this is going to be great, you know? And the conversation from one night being fear, the next night becomes, ooh, when are we actually going to move? And you go to bed anxious. God's churning up his spirit within you for what's to come. And then when you wake up, the order comes. 
doesn't it? Get ready. Get ready. We're about to move. That's what the three days are for. The order comes and Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourself. The things that separate you from God, the things that stop you seeing the move of God, the things that would stop you from following God. If you're anchored to a bollard, start chopping that off because you need to move. Because you need to move. If your bags are heavy, start to see what you're in there. You know what you're in there. Um, I'm recently a parent and I just realized how much stuff I carry in the bag. I looked through it yesterday, tidying it up. There, were, there was an apple from like two days, three days before. There was like a bag of crisps. There were random dinosaurs, like little ones. I don't even know how they made their way in there. There was loose change. The bag had just loads of things that I just didn't need. I didn't need until I needed them. All the parents know that moment. Where's my, I don't know. But if the bag is full and it's time for you to move, that's going to drag you along. Consecrate yourself. Take out what's not necessary. Take out what's not necessary. Am I afraid of talking to new people? Maybe that's keeping, that's keeping me back. God, can you help me with this? Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Because the Lord's going to move. What am I saying today? I'm saying, one, understand your calling. Not just for you as an individual, but for you as part of this church and for you as part of God's whole church. Start asking that question. Yeah. Number two, ask what's in the way of you fulfilling that. And if there's something there, begin to ask the Holy Spirit to do that Easter work of death and resurrection. Killing the thing that's not supposed to be living and bringing to life the thing that's supposed to be alive. The third thing is a practical one. It's a practical one. I sensed this morning preaching to the nine o'clock, and I get the sense now as well, that there's some here who God is calling to specific things. And these are the three. One is prayer. If you are here, and when I said prayer, you felt, ooh, that's something I'm supposed to do. Um, really, between now and the 20th, which is Pentecost, devote yourself to praying for someone. Pick out someone, someone on the staff team, a member of the clergy, someone, and really just dedicate time to pray for them. Dedicate time to pray for them. Let that be your calling for these 20 days. Pick one. We've got Emma here. Pray for her. Back there, we've got the Lismans, Emily and Chris. Wave at everybody, Emily and Chris. Pick one. Pray for them. Pray for them. These are the Joshua's. Pray for them. Second thing is pastor someone. Uh, who is it you haven't asked how they're doing? It, this is practice for if God blesses what we're praying for and fills this building up, there will be people you don't know. Better start with those who you see every Sunday. How are you doing? Is there something I can pray for? Begin to enter that space and do that. Uh, that's uh, if, you, if, you, if you're praying and you're afraid of talking to people, keep praying. If you're praying and you want someone to talk to, maybe go and talk to the person you're praying for. Simple. And the third thing is lead. Don't be shy with this. If God can use a donkey, a human being is easier to use. <laughs> it won't be that much of a shock to people when you speak in God's name because you're a human being. Yeah. Those who read the Bible, we need more. Those who preach, we need more. Those who lead the services, we need more. 
Those who serve tea and coffee, we need more. Those who sing in the band, we need more. Those who discern the direction of the church, the PCC. We're opening nominations for that. What is God calling you to do? I just want to shake the waters a little bit, shake earth a little bit, so that if seeds are planted, they're okay. No one drew a vicar. Um, Mike didn't get involved. Let us pray. Dear God, we just want to praise you, Father, for the story that has gone before. Thank you that your Holy Spirit uh, has such a long view of history. That you laid a table for us um, way before we were uh, conscious of your love, Lord God. That even our redemption happens 2,000 years before we are born. Such forethought, such Forgiveness. We place before you, Lord, the path before us. We pray for Richard and Nicola as they rest, as they uh, listen to you, as they um, uh, walk in obedience with you. That, Father, you will bless them with your Holy Spirit. We pray for our bishop here in London, our bishop here in Kensington, our area dean, Lord God. Um, the clergy in our area here, Lord God, the lay ministers all across uh, this land, Lord God, those who are leading in your name, Lord God, that your spirit may be resting upon them today, enriching them, inspiring them, Lord God. We pray for uh, those who do not know of you, Lord God, that they may hear the drumbeat uh, calling them into your house to meet your people and be blessed by you. And Father, today, for this congregation here, I pray, Lord, that you may inspire within us the thing to which you have called us to walk in. I pray for a real discomfort, Lord God, uh, in the, the present state, a real discomfort, Lord God, a holy one, a holy frustration, Lord God. I pray for the arrows that point towards calling and ministry, Lord God, the arrows that point towards holy living, to be bright and loud and undeniable. Finally, Lord, I pray for the children here today. Father, that they may be party to your work, party to the demonstration of your power, that they may be ushers of your kingdom. Lord God, I pray, Father, that our obedience may inspire theirs. Send down your Holy Spirit now upon your people to live and work to your praise and glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.